Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your host, Jane. And today we are uh, once again, but for the first time for you, uh, talking <laughs> about uh, this section of the Red Pyramid. Yeah, um, we, we took the week off last week because it was the holiday season. And not because we tried to record an episode about like three of these chapters and it was like trying to squeeze blood from a stone. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... Okay, so today we're doing a special five-chapter episode because this is kind of the <laughs> penultimate episode of the Red Pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Jane, I guess I want to get your temperature on this before we go forward. How are you? Are you like? How are you feeling on the Red Pyramid? I I feel like this is a book. This is entirely speculation, but it feels like a book that started being written because Rick Ryden had to write more mythology books. Yeah, and it feels like in in the writing of it, he's actually like hit on like an actual idea that he wants to explore, and you can see that kind of crystallizing as the book goes on. I think that's true. I'm personally on my end. I'm just kind of tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like super excited to start the next book. I just want to be. I just want to be clean of all the baggage of this first book. Yeah, a lot. A lot has happened, and yet simultaneously, not much has happened it's like that it's it's really like that but you know what i'm i'm pretty positive on these chapters yeah overall so maybe we should get into the summaries how do you feel i think we should chapter 33 carter we go into the salsa business it's horace's birthday and to celebrate carter sadie and zia fly a mrs boat away from the pursuer segment lion goddess of war and eye of raw Things are looking bad, but Zia points them to a salsa factory they can crash land in, and inside they trick Sekhmet into drinking salsa until she passes out and turns into her other form, the cow goddess Hather. Sadie and Zia then get into an argument about Zia and Amos' respective trustworthiness, but soon get back to figuring out how to get to Phoenix. Carter asks Zia how to do his uncle's animated coat driver technique, and when she tells him it requires a shop tea, the canes know just who to call. It's Doughboy time! Chapter 34. Carter. Doughboy gives us a ride. Carter violently mashes Doughboy into his coat and sets the spirit to driving a stolen car for them. Zia and Carter sit in the back together, and she tells him she'll now likely be exiled from the house if not killed. Carter offers her a place with them, which reminds her that Eskandar seemed to know this would happen, and he also offered to take her away. Her memory of it is kind of muddled, though. When she mentions that the thing she needs to tell Carter is that secret name, Carter realizes that Zia must be possessed by Nephthys since she was at the museum that night. They argue about Amos some more, but he then shows up largely unharmed in front of their car, getting in and saying it's time to drive into the storm. Chapter 35. Sadie. Men ask for directions, and other signs of the apocalypse. In Sadie's sleep, Isis tells her she must help Carter ascend to the throne of Pharaoh. Zia then wakes her up. They're at a gas station and largely evacuated Phoenix. While waiting for Carter and Amos to get back from asking directions, Zia tells Sadie she knows Set's secret name and insists she use the anti-Set spell on Amos when he returns, before he can take them to Set's base of power. Sadie actually overheard Zia's conversation with Carter and is confused about the idea Zia could be hosting Nephthys. After all, she spoke to the goddess at the river, and she was supposed to be in some far-off sleeping host. 
Sadie insists Zia tell her the name, but before anything can be resolved, Amos returns. Chapter 36. Sadie. Our family is vaporized. When they get- Oh, I get it. When they get to the eye of the storm at Camelback Mountain, Amos turns them on to storm clouds. You get it? Uh, So they can travel near the pyramid unnoticed. Their plan is to first stop the capstone from being placed and complete the pyramid, then to fly into the pyramid and find their dad, dispatching Set when it comes time. When preparing to go into bird mode, Zia recalls her staff. The pillar of fire time is up, and Dajadin will no longer be occupied. They begin their assault, destroying the boats that are carrying the pyramid's capstone. Then, while Amos stays behind to distract a group of demons, they seal the pyramid's entrances and walk to the heart of the pyramid. Instead of a traditional burial chamber, they find Set's throne room, the centerpieces of which is a throne that includes the gold coffin their father is trapped in. Amos then reappears through a vent in the ceiling. They join him, confused at his survival, until he falls unconscious, releasing the spirit of Set that was inside him. Chapter 37. Carter. Leroy gets his revenge. Set sits upon his throne, revealing that a sliver of his soul had been possessing Amos since the beginning, although Amos had been resisting by using obvious chaos magic to signal the truth to them. Set was also apparently intentionally tricking them into thinking Dejadin was his host. Set moves to attack Zia, but Carter is convinced that she doesn't have the power of Nethos inside her after all, and as Set quickly captures her, he seems to be convinced of the same. There was apparently some trickery done so Set would not be allowed to possess Nephthys. In his anger, he sends a sandstorm at Sadie, and that's when Carter realizes that he and Horace have been making a mistake all along. They shouldn't have been wrestling for control. They need to act in unison. In harmony for the first time, seeing into each other's minds fully, Carter summons his Falcon Combat Avatar and declares that he will crush Set like a gnat. So, those five chapters. Uh, Jane, what did you think of these? Uh, I, I'm pretty positive on these chapters. I think they're pretty good. What do you think? Oh, oh, same. Yeah, I, I for all for everything I said about you know being kind of tired with their pyramid and stuff, <laughs> um, I I I did enjoy reading these. I think this is building up to a pretty good cli- this is a pretty good climax, all things considered. Yeah, it's definitely a case of like the books like picked up momentum as it's gone, and I think this is a pretty good example of that. And I think part of the problem, I guess, getting into like higher level production stuff, uh, just to like you know part the veil a little bit we had a hard time talking about the first three chapters of this as a single episode yeah but over i think actually like all five of these together kind of make a a good little um it it kind of encapsulates the tale of amos (laughs) he shows up he acts suspicious he disappears again he reappears, he acts suspicious, he disappears again, etc, etc. Yeah, that's basically it. Like, it happens three times just in these chapters. <laughs> and, and it's happened at least a couple times before as well. Yeah. Um, I... What... Okay, well, I guess let's get right to the big twist. Um, because I, I feel like... I don't know. Were, were you expecting it to all, all play out like this? Like, what? I, I don't know if I was necessarily expecting Amos to be the host. Like, everything had been laid out so clearly that it was supposed to be Amos that I, like, I thought, this cannot possibly be it. This is a red herring. You don't think I'm this stupid, do you, Rick Riordan? And apparently I was this stupid. This is kind of always the move he does, though. Yeah, that's true. 
like not in a bad way necessarily like this is another form of like subverting expectations that also works like making you think you're smart like you're too smart for this book's game and then saying actually no you are exactly the level of smart for this book's game but you think you're smarter than you are yeah i think the thing that really seals the deal for that is um like i think a couple of times during the encounter in the throne room uh set talks about how he's like horace's uncle uh-huh and at that point i was fucking kicking myself <laughs> how that's so obvious how could it not have been amos yeah and and like i was saying with um i don't know if this i don't know when this i think this happened like last episode uh maybe it happened in the last episode but like i was saying about um i think geb said that like oh you know he's more than just he's you know he's family which is i I think that's a really big hint yeah definitely what do you think of set overall because i think i think these chapters have done a really good job of setting him apart from chronos yeah, I, I agree, because, like, I think we were complaining a couple episodes ago about Set being just, like, not around and feeling mm-hmm. super generic. But I think some of the, some of this really hit back into what we were enjoying about him um, back, back like, early on, which is that he's just kind of, like, a, like a Hercules Disney character. Yeah, he's very, he's extremely flippant. He's clearly, like, I love the part where he's talking about how he's got all the gods here. And he says, there's a lot of value in having the complete set. And then he stops and he has a chuckle because that's also his name. <laughs> like, he's... He clearly does not really give a shit about this. He knows that, like, if this goes wrong, he can just try again next cycle. And that's brought across in his characterization really well. This pretty well illustrates the character of Set as, like, just a... Uh, like a he doesn't give a shit right he's smarmy Mm -hmm. he 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 wants power he wants a lot of power and he wants like chaos and stuff but he doesn't feel like there is like this immediate need um he doesn't feel like it's all this grand destiny right he feels like it's owed to him for sure but he's like he's not like I don't know. You're right that it definitely sets him apart from Kronos and that he is not like this this grand master either. Like he's doing pretty like simple he the the tricks that he does in this book are very different than the tricks that Kronos does. Yeah, Kronos is like a complete master manipulator who is always in control of all the details. While Set is just like basically fucking with the canes because he thinks it's funny. Right. Set is like, oh, if I say a French word, they'll think it's the fucking French guy <laughs> who I'm possessing. <laughs> I, I'm well, really like, actually pretty I'm, into that. I'm, I'm gonna let the uncle do some chaos magic just to see if these idiots finally figure it out. Yeah, and I think that's honestly like, yeah, oh, but I'm gonna make him use his own magical reserve so mm. that he's like dying while he does it. <laughs> I think that actually pretty well justifies like us being like, hey, isn't this pretty obvious? Because, like, it was supposed to be pretty obvious. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I just said, it wasn't completely obvious to me. Right, right, right. I was a fool who thought I was smarter than the book. Right. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. So, set set as a villain, I'm feeling, like, pretty positive on. Yeah, a bit of a late-game recovery, which I guess, again, is, like, a summary of this book as a whole. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. We have a a different antagonist if we want to move on uh in in these chapters oh uh that's that's Sekhmet we do we we have of the other cat I don't going into these like this book 
I don't know how many cat girls I was I was expecting. Yeah, I don't think I mean... it, it wasn't as many as there are. <laughs> I would have two nickels, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> right. Like, um, Sekhmet, Sekhmet's pretty good from what we get of her. You might describe her as like a, like a, you know, monster of the week almost. Yeah, I think she's, she's very much tapping into the idea of these gods as like elemental forces of nature. Cause she is just like, she is even self-conscious of the fact that like, even if I kind of like you, Horus, I am like programmed to kill everything. Yeah. And that's actually a moment that I really enjoy because it does reveal some like tenderness in the relationships between these two. Mm-hmm. Even like, like you said, that is still superseded by their natures. Um, but I like that it's there. Yeah. I, I also that like, this didn't come up in the summaries, but the solution that they used to get rid of her is quite clever. Uh, yeah. So like I said, in the summaries, um, they, they basically get her to drink salsa until, un- until like she turns into a cow. And out of context, the... that sounds fucking unhinged. <laughs> yeah, um, Jane, can you explain? Can you explain this? <laughs> okay, yeah. So as I think Carter explains uh, during the fight, um, like back in the olden days in ancient Egypt, when Sekhmet was like running around killing everyone, uh, she would like gorge herself on blood until she was satisfied. So what the locals did was they would like pour a bunch of food dye into um, ale or something, and get her completely wasted. Until she was like weak enough to be turned into a cow goddess to like you know stop her from rampaging. So what they do in this case is like force her to drink a bunch of salsa by telling her it's blood, and then she like turns into a cow so that she has milk to get rid of the spiciness. That last part is a little bit uh, <laughs> is a little bit dicey as to whether that's true or not. I I don't I don't think cows can't taste spice. I don't. I feel intuitively like that can't be true. Right, but I think... So what car... This is kind of just like un, uh, like one unhinged thing after another, <laughs> out of context. But Carter is like, you know... Oh, is it kind of spicy? Maybe if you were a cow, you could have some milk. Um, like, which I, I think you are reading more literally than I am. I think he's just being like kind of witty. Um... But then why but, would she turn into the cow? Because it's not like just, it's Ra doing it in this case. I, I think just like she falls asleep <laughs> and becomes a cow. You know That might also be. It happens to the best of us when we fall asleep. God, I literally fucking feel like this every night. <laughs> uh, I actually do enjoy this like fluidity between Sekhmet and Hather, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this represents like something that is kind of a more like... Mm, it it kind of both simplifies but also is emblematic of an aspect of like Egyptian mythology that I think is kind of lost sometimes which is like the fluidity of these gods and mm-hmm. like how sometimes the the barriers between them weren't so like weren't so like set in stone like you would imagine like sort of polytheistic beliefs to be like they're they're kind of like the soft end throughout if you like yeah. they're kind of like the soft end but at the same time, what we get here kind of, I guess, kind of not dumbs it down, but simplifies it so that it's it's still showing that fluidity, but it's also kind of like... <sighs> it feels like it's kind of introducing the concept to, like, a younger audience. Like, you know, sometimes the line between these gods is blurry, and there's, like, so- some who are, like, aspects of the same being. 
Yeah, and we get to we get to hear a little bit about that with like the Eye of Raw stuff. Like, oh, you know, Sekhmet was the Eye of Raw until Bass became the Eye of Raw. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think there is like it runs into kind of a problem here where that isn't necessarily like as clearly depicted. And this isn't necessarily a problem. Like, it doesn't have to be depicted. There isn't, like, a requirement. Um, but it does kind of more just feel like, oh, th- these are Sekhmet's modes. Like, this is a Sekhmet feature. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, the, it, it feels less like this is saying something about the larger, like, pantheon. And more that it's saying something about Sekhmet. Although I suppose we've gotten it with some other gods. At least in a, in a small way. We've gotten, like, Thoth pointing out that he's had a couple of different names. So I think the idea of that fluidity is present in a couple of other gods, but I can see how it could come across as just like, this is just the magic power that Sekhmet has. Sometimes she is a cow. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I I can agree with that for sure. Overall, like when it comes to, I don't know, the authenticity of depicting (laughs) these these, like Egyptian beliefs and stuff, uh, ancient Egyptian beliefs, I, I would say that rick is doing a like a decent job speaking from purely my own perspective well speaking of someone who doesn't know shit about the egyptian gods i'm glad to hear that hell yeah (laughs) speaking of cool action scenes we have the like the weird boat battle that was cool yeah no it was cool uh how, how did you have like an easy time following this uh yeah i thought it was i thought the action was pretty well laid out there's just two big flying boats with the pyramidian between them yeah yeah like um i think that like if i maybe this is just something that's in my brain right now i was i I kept having to like go back and reread these parts Mm -hmm. like to fully grasp what was happening like i was like oh they're fighting near the pyramid oh wait no they're there are boats wait why are there boats oh wait they're flying boats that are carried they're carrying the capstan like it, it, it like took a few i guess tries to like fully lock into place for me um but once it was there like i i basically agree this was a, a pretty cool fight scene it's a cool idea for a fight i like that carter and sadie like stealth in in bird form i like that sadie can like get out of bird form like fairly easily now i like that that progression has happened oh yeah uh and then zia fucking like clinging to the the legs of a gigantic bat or whatever it is and everyone's screaming and throwing things at her because that's not very stealthy yeah zia doesn't get a lot of comedy but she does get this moment of just like hanging onto the legs of a giant vulture and just like being kind of like a you know it's a little slapstick Mm mm-hmm as is as is the part where they drop the giant uh, pyramid capstone onto a crowd of demons and kill them all. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, I, I guess rest in peace to uh, Face of Terror, the sex oh, yeah. fearsome lieutenant who f- appeared once and is now dead. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Well, um. You, you know, actually, there's just you know, not been a lot of room for him to be developed. I, I guess not. I, I guess Face of Terror didn't... Or Face of Horror? I don't... I'm sorry. I think it was I Face of remember. Horror. Face of Horror did not have a lot of screen time. I wish that we got to really dig into his character, his background. You know, I, I want to know more about like Face of Horror's like, family life. <laughs> Do his kids have Switchblade heads? This is what we need to know. Wait, is he the Switchblade head one? No, he's the one who has like pure black eyes and like... Like a muscle face, like he's a fucking Attack on oh, Titan character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
sorry for saying that into like bringing that to existence <laughs> we finally we've circled back around to the titans again oh god <laughs> oh jesus the 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 more that i don't think about attack on titan in relation to the series the, the happier i am that's fair i i have a sneaking suspicion about the pyramid since since we're kind of flying towards it on these boats now uh-huh I think the description of this used to be way more fucked and they made Rick change it. Oh, you think, like, it was scarier? I think so. Because there's, there's stuff in here about, like, you know, it doesn't feel like a burial thing. It's the thing that's hosting Set's body. And, ooh, what's that down there? That red liquid? It's probably magic ketchup or something. Oh, I feel like, right. I feel like there was a time when it was like, no, this pyramid feels alive. It feels like a huge evil organism that's completely consumed us. And you can like feel the blood pumping through the corridors like veins. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, I mean I can see that. Like I can see this being toned down. I think Rick Riordan generally has a pretty good grasp on like what level should I be at? Yeah. And I think this is one of those instances where like what you describe still comes through, even though it's not necessarily, like, there on the page. I think it's, like, it's something that you can arrive at if you look at the pieces, but it's not laid out in a way where, like, the effect of that really hits you. Hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get what you mean. It's, um, it's not necessarily looking for that, like, horror beat. Mm-hmm. Like there's still some stuff that's horrific in here, like oh the the like like the weird meat stalactite that is Seth's throne. Yeah. But but that's kind of the extent of it, you know. I hate the phrase meat stalactite. <laughs> <laughs> that's in my brain now. Would you prefer meat stalagmite? No, that doesn't make it better. <laughs> I which one which one would you prefer? Um which one is the, which one goes on the roof? Okay, so the way that I always remember this is that uh, a stalactite holds tight to the holds tight to the ceiling, mm-hmm. uh, and a stalagmite might poke you in the butt. I see, I see. Uh, in that case, I would prefer stalagmite because I'd constantly be worried about a meat stalactite like falling on my head, which would just be very <laughs> gross. We're titling this episode "Meat Stalagmite," right? I think we have to. <laughs> uh, yes, you know, I'm. I'll I'll give it to you there. I'll give it to you there. Uh, if we let's back up from the pyramid a bit. Let's let's get back. Let's uh, dissect a little bit more about. Um, I want to talk. I want to talk Zia. Hmm. There's a lot going on with Zia here. Yeah. And we've gotten some answers. We, we've had some theories so yeah so you have like all this zia stuff uh i don't know do you have any big thoughts uh my big thoughts are still on like the uh there was a theory that you proposed in the lost episode from last week which i thought was really interesting so i mean you could just like drop in the clip from that episode here i guess that's true uh okay i will do that now there is there's I was I was interested to see if you had any any thoughts about like um like what Zia mentions about like maybe having lost some memories. So this is all coming together in my mind palace, you know. And this is my theory right now, based on what I've read in chapter 34 and 35. 
I ha- I think we haven't seen the real Zia since sh- since like the first chapter she showed up. Ooh. I think that this is like some sort of replacement or projection or like creation uh, that Iskander Ooh. made. And that the real Zia is off sleeping somewhere and hosting Nephthys. <gasps> Wait, oh my gosh, you're, you're right. You're right, because like we even get that idea set up with Thoth with his um, like remote-controlled magician drones. Oh, you're right, yeah. Oh, shit. So, I can definitely see that being the case. Okay, That's yeah. That's a very yeah. good theory. Thank you, thank you. I guess we can't scrap this episode now, because I, I have to keep your reaction to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that that might also explain what the like the weird balls were in the first gnome. Right, right. Maybe no. that's her sending like memory updates to her actual self or something. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, I want. Where is she? I guess is the question. Like, is she just hidden away somewhere? Maybe just like in the roof of that one room in the first gnome. It's now one week in the future. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> we've we've been living off of canned food. That was we we sounded so innocent back then. <laughs> we've been trapped in this truck cab ever since. Yeah, we. I'm still not sure if it was a. Okay, the other thing that we learned is that apparently the very front of a truck is called the cab. Uh, yeah. I I didn't know that. Um. So. With regards to this theory and what we've what we've like seen the, in these latest few chapters, like it seems like Zia is like the Zia we know now is not Zia. This is definitely a Shabti, and she she seems to like be remembering that in real time. Mm-hmm. The order of events seems to be she gets possessed by Nephthys, Iskandar takes her off, puts her somewhere, and then builds the Shabti to like fill in for her in her absence so nobody notices yeah and and we get like we get her meddled memories of like iskander did something but we're also getting like oh um like she she says the line like you will not possess her which kind of feels just like she has like finally understood everything like she understands her purpose i guess oh wait so you think this is like because I thought this was kind of like dream remote control or something. But you think this is like a distinct entity with Zia's memories? Oh my god. Otherwise, why would she need to send her memories away? You know what I mean? That's true. It, that would also be incredibly fucked. How so? If Iskandar just like created this being as a diversion to probably get killed by Set to keep the other Zia alive. Maybe now we know why Eskandar was, like, regretting his actions. Born to die. Life's a bitch. World as fuck. Yeah. Kill 10,000 demons. <laughs> but yeah, that that does seem to... I, I'd read that as, like, maybe Nephthys speaking through the Zia Shabti. Mm, like, you will not possess Zia? Yeah. Interesting. Because Zia doesn't know about that, so it would only really make sense if it was Nephthys talking. Unless you're right, and it is, like, a separate Zia clone. I'm I'm really curious to learn the truth now. I'm, I'm excited for these last four chapters. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, speaking of, like, things that are ramping up to the finale, um, we also get some more of, of Carter's character arc. We do. We get, like, I think what is, like, 
This is kind of what I was talking about when I said that the book kind of found something that it wanted to talk about while it was going. Uh-huh. Where we get this, like, this big culmination for um, Carter's character arc, where he's, like, he's embracing, like, the powers that the past have given him without, like, losing himself and still having his own identity, because he's, like, he, like, very confidently asserts his name when Set tries to call him Horus just before the final confrontation begins. Yeah. That's a really good moment for him. I really like it. It definitely is. And I think, like, reading it through your interpretation that you proposed a few episodes ago, like, this can definitely be read as a scene of, like, Carter accepting that he needs to grow up, but he doesn't have to, like, lose himself in that process. Mm-hmm. That he can, like, still be the same person that he is now and also, like, change and grow. Yeah, and that's that's really nice to see from someone who started out so nervous and unsure of themselves and not wanting to act. Right, right. Like, the fact that Carter has come all this way from, like, I don't know, nerdy shut-in who doesn't get a lot of, fr- <laughs> who doesn't have a lot of friends. I guess not shut-in, he's, he's, like, a world traveler, but, like, He's, he's you know. a shut-in in terms of, like, yeah, his social life is very much that way. Yeah, to, like, a kid who is very angry, but also just, like, very frustrated with not understanding anything, to, like, like, confident, confident young adult. He was still angry. Who he's definitely still angry, um, <laughs> but he's he's channeling that anger positively towards killing his uncle brother. Hell yeah! I think it's just uncle. Uh, no, uncle brother. Um, because, oh no, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. The same way that Nephthys is both Set's consort and also his sister. And in in this this version of the cycle, apparently morsel, because I guess either of those would have been weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh that's there would have been a lot of there's there's a lot of weird stuff that would have been happening there if either of those things had been the case this time around you know what that's that's something else we really need to give rick ride and props for both in this series and in percy jackson he's very adept at just fucking ducking and weaving around all of the stuff that would make anything like extremely fucked yeah basically like rick riordan is very good at looking at a piece of mythology and being like, how can I diffuse the creepiness of this? <laughs> how like, can I make Zeus not a horrible rapist? Yeah, or like, how can I make it so that it's not weird that, like, they have all these different relationships, you know what I mean? Yeah, they just don't have DNA. Well, that, but also, I mean, like, <laughs> this form of, like, oh, they're going through yeah. the cycles and their hosts are changing. And speaking of things that are, like, very, uh, maybe kind of creepy, uh, Carter sure does just like kill Doughboy. I I I am a Doughboy truther. I think he's still alive in there. I'm like okay. I'm sure he's still alive. But the thing he does <laughs> is that he's like, oh yeah, we can finally count on our buddy Doughboy. And then he takes summons Doughboy and like <laughs> just like fucking full force grabs him and like mashes his clay body into the jacket, stomps on it. Just like it's 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 gruesome. It's gruesome. It's gruesome, but I also think that if he had killed, well, I mean, for one thing, Doughboy is definitely still in there because he's like, even though he doesn't have hands, he's very clearly trying to flip Carter off. Definitely. Uh, but also, like, I don't. I feel like Carter would have hesitated to do it if he'd known that. Oh, and this will permanently like remove the sentient being's ability to speak. I I don't think he's like killed Doughboy. <laughs> I just think that it is a surprising amount of violence, a surprising and 
kind of hilarious amount of violence to inflict it, on a, a a weird clay creature. A whittle dough creature. Yeah. Is is Doughboy made out of dough or is he made out of clay? I'm never sure. I thought it was wax. Wax? Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, like, like Philip of Macedonia. Why 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 is our Discord uh role not whittle wax creature? Because because he's called Doughboy. I guess that's fair. <laughs> Join our Discord and our Patreon. Join our Discord. We promise not to get into a thing about whether it's wax or dough and change the rules again. <laughs> Speaking of flying boats, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We we we've seen the tragic end of Amos's boat. It's like we had initially slagged off for not being as good as Julius is because it's just like made of reeds, and then we find out it can fly. So maybe it is good after all. And then Carter fucking destroys it. Right. The thing that, like, we really were very hard on this. Like, obviously, <laughs> like, oh, Julius is the big brother. Like, he gets the cool boat. But, like, it's just kind of wild. The one thing that I'd be super disappointed in, if this is the case, that would make me mad again. Uh-huh. What if Julius's boat can also fly? I think, I don't know, even if it can fly, I wonder if Amos maybe still does have the edge. I mean, obviously okay. not now that the boat has been destroyed, but can't Julius only use his, like, once a year or something? Yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. You can only summon it, like, once a year. Whereas Amos can go around whenever. Yeah, which is kind of weird thinking about it, because, like, isn't the thing supposed to be that, like, the br- the blood of the pharaohs can have a boat whenever they need one? Oh, maybe Julius has his own reed boat and also the big boat. Oh my god. <laughs> Fucking Julie. I'm I I hope Julia stays dead. <laughs> I I don't hope that. I don't know why I said that. Uh Julius just, like, getting... is going to continue to be possessed by Osiris, travel to Greece, become the god Zagreus, uh and then end up a camp half blood as the counselor. <laughs> now wait a second. I <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated by some of the turns that this took. We've we we early very early on went on a, a tangent about Zagreus and Osiris. Mm-hmm. Um, why why does he go to Camp Half Blood? Because um, Zagreus uh, then like ascends to the throne of Zeus, and then uh-huh. dies, and then is resurrected uh-huh. as Dionysus. Uh huh. Oh right right right. See, we we knew that the mythology corner would come into come into handy eventually. Exactly. It's it's paid off like thirty something episodes later. Jesus, <laughs> you know the, we're at the end of the year and we're like so close to our one year anniversary. It's ri- It's wild. I know. It's uh. <laughs> uh, you know, for all all of like set being a pretty cool, and I I do think the like one on one confrontation with set before everything gets all falcony is cool. Um. He, he sure does seem to only have the power to, like, blast sand at people. Yeah, he does seem to kind of have, like, the supervillain thing where he'll, like, he'll pick you up and he'll toss you into the corner of the room so that you can have a moment where you think about your friends and then get up and charge at him again. Yeah, which I don't hate. I think it's just funny <laughs> that he's, like, throwing sand at people of all things. So I guess, like, a sandstorm can probably kill you, but, like, I, I guess don't know. This- it's... It's kind of unimpressive because Nephthys, who was only in here a few chapters earlier, has like sandstorm breath that will kill you the second it touches you. Right. Her breath turns everything it touches into sand. That's like, that's terrifying. Yeah. Set, 
set just has like, oh, I, I have I have sand kinesis. I can blast sand from it. That's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> That's just extremely specific and extremely shit telekinesis. He does have a pretty cool move, though, where he like tugs on the air like he's pulling on a string and that like brings Zia to his hands like I think that's there's something that is like very cool about that to me yeah definitely he's 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 intimidating yeah for sure speaking Um, of the gods being shitheads uh uh-huh I I really love the start of chapter 33 oh yeah like they're on the boat they're running away from Nephthys there's like I think the line is arrows the size of predator drones being fired at them Oh yeah, you got your wish. The uh, they they finally started getting <laughs> missiles fired at them. I got my drone strike finally. Jesus uh, Christ! And in the back in the back of Carter's head, Horus is like banging a wooden spoon against a pan and going, <laughs> "Hey, it's my birthday! It's my birthday! Say happy birthday to me! It's my birthday!" Yeah, we're we're talking about like, oh, this part is so cool. This is such a good character, the character arcs. But like, this starts off with one of the funniest moments in the book. Which is like <laughs> them desperately running away from this fucking lion and Horace being like, um, it's my birthday. Will you, what, did you get me anything? <laughs> like, I, I would just, it's, it really endears me to Horace for sure. He He's such a shithead and I do love that. <laughs> and also I feel for Carter for having to have this in his head all the time. It's one of those moments where you can really feel that repressed rage. And do you think that Horace like... I was going to say, do you think he has the problem where it's like, oh, it's it's always near Christmas when it's his birthday, so he never gets presents? <laughs> I I would suspect that he does not give a shit if it's near Christmas. I guess that's probably true, but <laughs> I don't know. He's had a lot of hosts. Maybe one of them has been like, well, I guess not. I don't know. Hmm. Oh, you know what? You know what problem he probably does have, though? Oh. All of his siblings have the oh. like a birthday five days in a row. They probably have a combined birthday party. No. <laughs> Terrible. I mean, they probably don't have any birthday parties because their parents were banished and never see each other. Oh, what's... I mean, no, wait, wait, no. Their, their parents are... Wait, aren't their parents Isis and Osiris? Oh, wait. Yeah, no, sorry. I was getting them confused with Set and Osiris because they're um, fucking... You mean Gabin? You mean Gabin and Nut? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that, like, like this is part of the reason of why it's kind of confusing. Like, Horus is both the 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 nephew of Set and also the brother of Set, because Set was born at the same time as Horus, but also he is like celebra- here to celebrate the. It, it's difficult. It's difficult. I mean, that alone would make the birthday party situation a fucking nightmare. God, yeah. Like, there are some families where, like, relationships are, like, strange because everyone's at, like, a different age. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can attest to this. I have, like, a niece who is, like, a year older than me. <laughs> and But, like, I don't know. I, I, I cannot imagine being part of this. It seems, yeah, it seems like... Maybe this is why Horace is, like, so desperate to, like, get some acknowledgement from Carter. Uh-huh. It's such a confusing mess. He just wants, like, his one human friend to acknowledge him on his birthday. I, I can really feel for him on that. You know, I think he deserves a birthday present. Yeah, I just wish he wasn't such a shithead about it. Or actually, I like <laughs> that he's such a shithead. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, God. What, um, what, like, what do you get, what do you get the Falcon God in your head for, for your birthday? Like, uh, uh, 
handful of bird seed. <laughs> Do you have to eat it? I, I mean, I would assume that he would. Oh, no, yeah, because you'd be his host, so you would have to eat it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's either God. that or, like, eating a live vole or something. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially there's a car, there's a comment in here about like sets like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting to me. Set is like, oh, you think that Horus is just like accepting you as a host. He's probably off trying to find some like a war monument to host himself to. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, because we've seen that thing before with um, Anubis who can like host himself in a graveyard. Yeah, and Set, who's obviously like hosting himself in the pyramid. Mm-hmm. So the idea that like, Horus is like this probably isn't happening but the fact that there could just be like some other part of Horus out there I think that's cool that's cool yeah definitely there's there's some interesting like chaos magic stuff in here as well oh like how so my I think my assertion that Rick Ryder is just using the words chaos and evil interchangeably is only growing stronger yeah because like because specifically it's when they have been turned back from storm clouds by Amos and he's suggesting doing it again to get into the pyramid and Zia's response is no I won't partake of any more chaos magic it's not natural which like you would assume that the chaos magic would be the the natural shit because like the nature of the universe is to decay by entropy I guess so this is where the series gets into the difficulties of like it isn't even interested in entropy at this point yeah and it also isn't interested in the difference between entropy and chaos. That's true. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously you could say, like, oh, well, Set is the god of chaos, and he's the god of storms, therefore storms are chaos. It, it's it's weird, but, like, I guess I can follow that line of thinking. But it's just, like, I don't know. Like, there are these weird lines being drawn where it's like, oh, you can't do chaos magic because that's represented that's representative of this evil god. But, like, aren't... It seems like most forms of magic would be represented through some god, and you're not supposed to use any divine magic. Yeah. I mean, and maybe also, the House of Life are just a bunch of hypocrites, but... I mean, yes. Like, right? Like, that's exactly it. Like, that's probably why they didn't include, like, the god Hekka in this. Because, like, mm-hmm. Hekka is just the, like, uh, the deification of magic. So, like, the, yeah, all magic... Yeah, that seems like it would introduce a bit of a headache. Right, like, all magic is divine magic, therefore... It, it doesn't... <sighs> because of the, like, the ideas that Rick wants to do here, like, the conflicts that he does want to draw... It, it, it just gets kind of messy. I don't really get where the lines are, necessarily. Yeah, definitely. I will say, though, I like the, the bit where they're being turned into storm clouds. Just because they they do like... Um, like, Amos says to Zia, it's so sad that Steve Jobs died of Ligma. <laughs> she replies, who the hell is Steve Jobs? He vaporizes her with a wave of his hand. <laughs> And then Carter literally falls to his knees, screaming, no. (laughs) That's, like, the funniest description of what happened, because it's completely accurate. (laughs) That's just, like, what's in the text of the book. And, God, no, there's something that's, like, gained here from this being the perspective of Sadie. Um, Because, like, if anyone could become a storm cloud... (laughs) 
and then like I guess like react any way to it that is not like this fucking sucks it probably would be Sadie yeah no that's very true and like I do still like I I like um I think it's interesting that there is that conflict while she is a storm cloud of like oh I am a cloud of vapor I am like very desperately having to swirl so that my vapor doesn't get separated and my fucking (laughs) arm doesn't end up in Nantucket yeah, it's it's a it's a cool idea, just for like adding a bit of tension to the ascension scene. Uh huh. Like, there's these things. I don't know what you would call it. Like, I guess it's tension, but I think there are a lot of like little things in books, especially like these kinds of books, where like obviously nothing is going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously her cloud is not going to dissipate. And I think we as the reader know that. It would be extremely funny if this was how Sadie died. But, and so therefore it it feels almost like kind of weird to call it tension. Mm -hmm. But it still has that same effect, which I think is interesting. I guess now I'm just thinking about like like literature in general. And like, like why why is it tense? Even though we, we know like it's not going to happen. I mean, it's because we're invested in these characters, right? Like, yeah, for all the true. shortcomings, like, we're, we're in it enough that we can, like, switch our brains off and, like, not just analyze it from the perspective of, well, this is what usually happens here in a story, and we can just kind of buy into it. Yeah, we can buy into Sadie's, like, fear. We know that she is, like, afraid of, like, you know, and we can, even though it is funny, we can also see that like oh god carter is like very convinced that amos just like killed his sister (laughs) because exactly like something that is also pretty well represented throughout these chapters is that like the canes just do not trust amos even if they desperately want to and are like fighting zia at every step about it yeah they're like they're not quite willing to take the step of he is an enemy now but like a- Amos is not doing himself any favors. I do think it's extremely funny that just before the reveal that he is the imposter that he vents into the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh I- god! I just appreciated I didn't, that. <laughs> I didn't think about that at all, but that's so fucking funny. I only thought I, about that because you literally said that he like comes in through a vent in your summaries. <laughs> yeah, he literally does. He vents. He's sus. I, I, I've said. I've been saying this. Amos is sus. He. God, when the imposter is... Okay. Okay. We have to calm down. We have to calm down. I think there's only, like, one major part of these chapters that we haven't addressed yet. Wait. Never mind, there's a couple of things, but there's... We, uh... uh, Sadie's dream sequence while she's sleeping in the truck cab. Uh Uh-huh. Where we get, like... We more or less get the roadmap set out for where the uh, series is going to go from here. Mm-hmm. where um, Isis kind of takes her aside in her dream and says, like, you know, there's there's more threats than just set out there. And against the backdrop of all of it, you're going to need to prepare Carter to become the, th- the pharaoh. Which I, I agree with Sadie, but about the concept of, like, Carter as a pharaoh is an extremely funny mental image that I can't quite get my head around. He's working that way, though. He's, he's certainly working that way. Yeah, I suppose I'm more willing to believe it after the end of these chapters than I was at the point where I was introduced into the story. Definitely. Um, what do you think of, like, the whole, you know, 
you know, there have been there have been women who are the pharaoh, but but it's your duty to like be like the warrior. Like what do you that's I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting uh way of putting it, I guess. It's cuz I mean, you could almost apply the idea of like I don't know the king and the queen in chess to Carter and Sadie. Just because like he is quite uh, indecisive at times and like prone to panicking and not moving around much whereas Sadie is very like action oriented so yeah I can definitely see her being like Carter's left hand or something I think that'd be cool I yeah I think so um it's it's one of those things that like there are a lot of beats like this in this story because there are a lot of beats like this in Egyptian mythology Mm -hmm. like like we get this this is like the because it's interesting because this is kind of the same thing this kind of mirrors the idea we get of like oh like Ra and Sekhmet slash Bast like the eye of Ra like oh yeah so I think that that's kind of interesting there that we we get this the I feel like those relationships are kind of intentionally intentionally parallel in that way yeah I can definitely see that it's it's interesting we allow Rick a cheeky little set out your stool for the rest of the series every now and then yeah, and it's it's a it's a, it's a pretty good scene. We get the the traditional like oh visions of the future, everything is terrible ah. Mm-hmm. But before that or after that actually, uh, we get like a throne room with like all the gods sitting around, kind of vaguely reminiscent of like the you know top Mount Olympus and Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like uh, the when Osiris fell for the dumbest prank in history earlier in this book, like we saw all the gods assembled then as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think it's just fun, like, seeing all these faces again, because it's a lot of them that are, like, we recognize, like, oh, there's Thoth, like, he's there, um, like, oh, there's, there's Isis, obviously, but also just, like, there's Sobek, the guy who we fought two chapters ago. There he is, he's back, he still wants tributes of crocodile heads and semen. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, and also the guy that Bass died to kill, like, I guess we forgot, like, I forgot about that. Until oh yeah, it's like, but he's he's there. I guess if um, if he's rocking up in Carter's throne room, maybe that's foreshadowing that like maybe he and Bast will get out of the duet a lot sooner than Amos predicted. Yeah, that, that, I I could see that being the case. Hey, if, wait a second. If this book, what's up? I just realized maybe they will actually get out of the duet a lot sooner than like um, we thought they would, because the person who told them it would be hundreds of years was Amos. Ooh. And we now know that he had every reason to just be bullshitting them. That's true. Yeah. If this book ended with like, oh, the return of Bass, they have a happy reunion and like, oh, it's one big family. I, hmm. I think that might be nice. That'd be nice. I think it'd be extremely funny if Bass would have just been like back in five minutes, but Amos <laughs> slash set just saw his opportunity, grabbed them and ran. You just like further... Right, like he's like, oh, you'll never see her again. It's very sad, <laughs> and she's just like in the fucking swamp. Like, hey, where'd they go? She's just crawling out onto the riverbank. Yeah, like coughing up some water. A few minutes later, she's in like Arkansas right now. <laughs> uh cat. Do, do, I I don't know how good cats are at directions. Uh, but I'm I'm wishing her the best though. Bass, <laughs> return soon. We she'll have... steal a car and pick a direction. I'm sure she'll get where she's going eventually. Hopefully. But hope aside, thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening. 
I, I hope you've enjoyed listening. We've had a great time today. Um, Jane, it, it, I missed putting out episodes, even though it's literally only been a week. Same. Uh, we're gonna next week. We'll get you the finale. Uh, I hope you're excited. As excited as we are to be done with this book and hope that the good bits are developed and built upon in the sequels. Uh, but for now, if you want to reach out to us, uh, you can check us out on Twitter at UnwiseGirls. Uh, there you can find our links to our Discord server, our email, our personal Twitters, etc., etc. Also our Patreon. If you want to support us, you can leave a five-star review, a rating, and you can go to our Patreon and support us there. Uh, for a dollar a month, you get the special Discord role of... Oh, fuck, what was it? Oh, Whittledo-being. Uh... <laughs> For $3 a month, you get the special role of Big Ba Energy. That was it. And also access to all of our bonus content. We've been putting that out bi-weekly. Uh, there should be a new one out this week. We talk about things like Homestuck, like Doctor Who. Uh, Jane loves it. Um, mm. And and uh, all, all sorts of fun things. Um, and for $5 a month, you get the special, uh, the special Bast Head Pat Pass. Uh, redeemable for one head pat once a month. Don't don't try use it on Sekhmet. You will get your hand burnt off. That that pass may be functionally worthless to you, depending on whether or not Amos was bullshitting. Uh, but no <laughs> refunds. If you can, if you can like astral travel into the duot, <laughs> then you can you can give her a head pat. Uh, and also access to all of our bonus content and a special thank you at the end of our episodes. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy. Veronica, a friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say at the end of every single episode, see you next week, Camp Half Blood. See you next week, Camp Half Blood. Bye. Bye. Bye.